This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to another edition of the Grip for 60 podcast, the Sunshine State edition. Uh, my name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC. And I am joined from a swamp in Gainesville. Hey, everyone. I'm Brendan. Brendan Farrell. You can call me TCJ. Uh, but TC, you should call this the home ice edition. The home for ice us. edition? For oh, us, for us, because yeah. it's, uh, it's down in our neck of the woods, sort of. But it'd be one thing if we actually went to one of these games. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, if you if you if you multiply, if there's you know there's two of us, there's two games. That's kind of four opportunities to go to a game, and we came up with zero. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's. Well, yeah. Well, anyway, you know, we can always we can always Brody some time up to Nashville or Carolina. Well, that's true, Brody. Yeah. Brody twenty twenty. Yeah, food for thought. Um, but speaking of the Sunshine State, apparently, uh, the city of Winnipeg has annexed the state of Florida. So they should look look. Professional hockey is more viable in Jacksonville than it is in South Florida. Winnipeg should just move to Jackson. Like, take their ECHL team and make that their actual team. Or uh, the Panthers could um, do what the Rays are going to do in baseball, and they should play half of their games in Jacksonville. Or half of their home games. I don't really want the Panthers in – well, they are getting more and more interesting. I don't know how that would work, Brennan. I, I am not a fan of the half-and-half – plan yeah uh, that wasn't a serious suggestion um but yeah two games in florida and how many points four hey oh four points not only that two wins in regulation two wins in regulation although they made it close each time they really tried their hardest to go to overtime um in both of these games um i mean they, they really tried their best today uh, yeah, and they made it interesting on Thursday. Um, so what that so what that means is, Brendan, what you're telling me is if they had two games where they won in regulation, but also tried to blow it, that means they had a lead. Yeah. That, not only did they have a lead, they had two leads. Double the leads. Yes. Two leads. Um, so let's get into this, this Florida game where, in a surprising turn of events, the Jets actually scored first. They actually scored first. 
Josh Morrissey hit an absolute bomb. Hit a bomb. Uh, Shifley with the feed, which is a fantastic pass by Shifley. Uh, get this game. Get this game rolling. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we kind of talked about it. I mean, we kind of made fun of how much, the, like, Winnipeg just doesn't like to get out in the lead first. You know, and it's always a good thing. Uh, I, I'm not really a big believer in those. Uh, like, their record is, you know, some good record when scoring first because it's like, oh, a team does better when they have a lead? Like, who, who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, but I think there is something, too, that where some teams are better with a lead than others. So – but I, I get what you're saying. Overall, when you look at those stats, it can be kind of uh, – it can lead – you know, you you expect teams to be better when they score first. Uh, and the difference between, oh, this team is better than the lead than this team really isn't really um, expressed very well in those stats because that can be kind of ambiguous. Um, I had something else to say, but I forgot what it was. Jets, Leeds. Jets, Leeds. I don't remember. Um, but it was nice to see Morrissey get the goal, Shifley get the helper, and Shifley came up later in the game. Actually, before I get to that, Panthers tied it, did not waste too much time. Well, a few minutes um, before tying it up on the power play. Um, Mr. Underrated himself, Alexander Barkov with the helper. Yeah, I already said my piece on that last episode. Stop. Underrated. No, no, not happening. Yeah, so I saw on Twitter the other day, someone was asking who's the most underrated um, hockey player right now. I, of course, would have said Travis Konechny, personally. Um, Not not Sean Couturier? Tempted to say Sean Gattier as well, but I think he's slowly get, or even Claude Giroux, because Claude Giroux doesn't get the the national attention. I don't think that he deserves. Uh, Couturier or um, Mark Stone would have been my guesses, though. Mark Stone um, probably. Stone's gotten an increase in uh, coverage and recognition since he was uh, traded to Vegas and started ruining my life. But, uh, but uh, point stands. Well, but the reason I bring this up is because Barkov was brought up and someone was like, no, we've – everybody has already said he's so underrated. He basically said the same thing you did, that he is no longer underrated at this point. He's properly rated. Properly rated Alexander Barkov. Fantastic player. Um, he's just not underrated anymore. Because if you, if you say, hey, um, name someone on the Florida Panthers, your first thought is Alexander Barkov. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after that second period, we had a crazy third period where the Jets took the lead. Florida quickly tied it back up, and then the Jets took the lead again and then doubled it. So we've got Ellers, Shifley, Lowry with our goal scorers. And again, Shifley getting on the score sheet. He is starting to pick it up. Yeah, uh, this, was, this was a good game for the Jets just kind of in general. I mean, they, they, they won uh, the possession battle despite, you know, leading, uh, or at least towards the second half of the game, but regardless. Um, and they had over 60% of the expected goals for, which, had, which, I mean, that's something they haven't done very often this year. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh, so are you, Shifu, so- you didn't have a Shifu didn't have like that great of a game, like advanced stats wise. But I mean, when no, you score when a goal, he, like you score a goal. He, I mean, he got a goal and two assists. Yeah. And he's playing on the top that top unit with Line A and Connor. I mean, I'm assuming that also means he played against some of the more some of the tougher opponents that the, the, the Panthers can throw at you, like Alexander Barkov, like Vincent Trocheck. Uh, the guys that scored in today's game. Um, but, you know, and it's good to see that he's fine. He's, Cause that's a player that at least that I've been worried about, not worried about, but somewhat concerned about his slow start. And he's starting to pick it up in these recent weeks. And it's not just today. He's been picking up a little bit more over the last couple of weeks, I think. And it's good to see him get on the score sheet three times, three times. In one game, which is always good. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, my concerns with Shifley this year haven't been from a point or goal scoring perspective, because he he has been putting the puck in the back of the net or getting other people to put the puck in the back of the net. So that's not really what has concerned me. It's just that his shot metrics haven't shown that he's a first line center. Okay. Well, if you're concerned about his shot metrics or his possession stats, are you going to link that to the people that he's playing with? Because he's playing with Line A and Connor, who are very good players. But I would have to assume that when we were talking about play driving and particularly shot totals, that kind of thing has to come into play where it has to say, okay, you're playing with these players, um, that's going to contribute to the number of shots that you're taking. Yeah, but the thing, though, is that Kyle Connor is a good play driver. He is a good play driver. That's even, why I I mean, even though, like, line eight isn't, I think that's enough to make up for it. So I don't think you can say, oh, his teammates are the reason why, like, his numbers are low. Um, or, I mean, I was just looking through this game. It doesn't look like – I was just looking through the shift charts on – natural stat trick which are super handy by the way and it doesn't look like he really got like a ton of it doesn't even really look like they were on the road it doesn't right. look like he got a lot of top matchups oh really yeah it was, it, i don't really know if it's, it's kind of hard to tell like who exactly he was really matched up with can you know? tell who got who did get the tough matchups in this game uh i, I it would take some more time all right, looks, well, looks to me, looks to me like Cop and Lowry got a good amount of time against Barkov, though. Interesting, because that's what their third line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and th- that line looked good uh, tonight against Tampa too. I wanted to say um, there was a moment where Cop went down um, a little bit awkwardly. He had a collision, and I thought, oh, I hope he's okay. But he played out the rest of the game, and it looks like he was fine. But, you know, I thought that line had a pretty good game tonight against Tampa. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, yeah, but um, against the Panthers, the Jets' middle six of Ellers, Wheeler, Roslovic, Kopp, Lowry, and Perot, they had a good night. Um, mm-hmm. They had 32, uh, 32 shot attempts compared to just 13, or they only gave up 13. Uh, the Wheeler line, 64% in possession. Lowry, Cobb, and Perot was 80%. They just yeah. had a – yeah, they just had a really good night. And um, 
on a team that's been having kind of a hard time driving offense and keeping it out of their own end uh, on the expected goals side of things. They had 0.65 and only gave up 0.1. So really good night for them. Yeah, that um, Lowry and Cop line did show up on that fourth goal to double the lead um, in uh, towards the end of that third period, right before Vincent Trocek made it made things a little bit complicated for this Jets team. Um, so that's good to see. Do you have any other thoughts on this game? Uh, I mean, it was nice for them to get some different guys on the score sheet, I think. You know, you had four different goal scorers. Nikolai Ellers getting back on the score sheet. Uh, Line is up to 13 assists, so, you know, like, that's good. Uh, you know, it was just kind of a good night um, just throughout the lineup. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of their better performances this season. And uh, yeah. Brossois played well. So that's, uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. Brossois played well. Uh, and it's good to always – when you – Whenever your backup gives you a performance like he did today, which was not not you know, isn't going to earn him a Vezina or anything, but it was a stel- it was a decent performance. It was solid. And he gave his team a chance to win. That's always a good thing to get out of your backup because you know in this, in this league a lot of times you get backups who can't give you that. And I don't think Brassois has been bad this season. In fact, it's hard for me to to think of a game where he's been noticeable. There have been games where he's been kind of okay, but. Um, this was most of the time. I think he's been pretty good. Pretty much what you want out of a, a backup goalie. And uh, today was one of those nights where he did his job well. One last note I want to touch on. Uh, this was this was true for both games uh, this weekend. But the Jets. I get that the Jets have injuries on the fourth line, and I get that it's a lot of guys that aren't quite NHL ready or haven't deserved um, a lot of responsibility yet in the league. I get that. But the Jets only played their fourth line. Like the trio of Gustafson, Logan Shaw, and Luoto. I'm not going to be able to – I know I'm butchering that. Like they all played about five minutes each. And that means that the top nine, like it's – Everyone else is pretty much between 17 and 20 minutes. I mean, you had guys like Andrew Kopp playing more than Tucker Pullman and Lucas Abiza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just in general don't have a whole lot to say on fourth line guys. Those are going to be your, you know, the, the, at this point, their contribution is usually negligible. Um, Marginal, you know, um, I just, I just don't have the energy to care about fourth line players personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, my thing though is that it's November and you don't want to be working guys more minutes than they need to. So, you know, having forwards hitting like, like again, Andrew Kopp isn't one of their top forwards, but he had 18 and a half minutes. And he had more. He had more ice time than Tucker Pullman, mm-hmm. Kulikov. Hey, well, thank goodness we're seeing more Andrew Kopp than we are of um, Kulikov. Yeah, and uh, Nathan Beaulieu. So, uh, oh, sorry, that was that was today. But 
my point still stands is that you're having players play a lot of minutes when ideally you would have a little bit more of an even split of ice time. And again, I get why it's happening, but I figure that it does need to be pointed out. And with that said, I feel like we're starting to scrape the barrel here on this game. So why don't we move ahead and talk about that lightning game that just happened. And boy, was that an interesting game. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to throw this out here before we really start talking about this. I, I hate the coach's challenge rule right now. I think it's too, I think it's too harsh. Yeah. I agree. I, I think you should move the penalty to after a second challenge. Okay, I can get on board with that. Because to me, I think you just end up in a lot of situations where um, was it like, for example, I think this kind of happened today, but like if there's a, if you're tied and the other team scores a questionable goal to make yeah. it like, I don't know, like, like to put them up one or to put them up by a goal, right? Yeah, that was today's scenario. Yeah, okay. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't making something up here. Okay. No, they were tied. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you saw something there and you want to challenge it. If you're wrong, the other team's on the power play. Like, so if you're wrong, you could end up down by two. Right. And that's what we saw today. They went down by two. Um, and in today, it would have been even worse with okay. Tampa because, because um, wasn't there another late goal that Tampa thought about maybe challenging? But, like, if they failed, um, that would have been, like, four minutes, wouldn't it? I guess, but I didn't really see too much on any of those later goals that right. could have been worth challenging. And But, honestly, the one they did challenge, that was a dumb challenge. Yeah. I, I, that, was a, that was a bad challenge. Yeah, that was probably one of the worst challenges. Of the I, I was I like, what are you looking at? Like, yeah, that's ex- I didn't have the sound on, and I was just like – so I didn't – I couldn't hear what – they were saying what was going on, and I was just like, what are you look? Oh, are they looking for a high stick? Yeah. Where? The puck is like two feet off the ice. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> John Cooper. But there's – I mean, there's, his seat is already hot because there's so much talent on that team, and they're kind of middling. You can't do that. Exactly. You, you just can't do that. Um. Uh, but that, that was, yeah, an interesting game. Once again, the Jets scored first. Um, Matthew Perot with a really nice deflection in front. Really, really nice deflection in front, I thought. Uh, it, it seems like, do, do you think they're, that's part of their game plan now is just throw pucks in front and try to get someone to tip it? Or is that just me? Is that something I made up? I mean, with the sheer amount of point shots that they take, um, I, that has to be the strategy because they're sure as heck not getting anything near the net. Could would you compare it to uh, what the Sharks tried to do with uh, Joe Pavelski before he left? Yeah, but when they did it with Joe Pavelski, they had Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the blue line. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, sure, they would well, still have like Justin Braun and Mark Edward Blasic throw pucks at the net. But I think that's just more of a reflection of those guys' lack of offensive ability than it is, like, actually trying to create scoring chances. I would say the, the Jets 
I don't want to say comparable, but because we, they, I mean, the Jets don't have an Eric Carlson or a, a Brent Burns on their team, but guys with a similar skill set, I guess they do have like Neil Pionk, I think could do that. Right. And mm-hmm. today it was, um, Josh Morrissey, right. When you don't think of someone, Josh Morrissey is someone who does that sort of thing because he's the one, he's their one defenseman who is actually defensively responsible and so you think, oh, he's the solid defensive blue line guy, and I think that's how we tend to talk about him. But he really can do the offensive side of the game just as well. Um, I feel like he could have ended part of that at um, he's just their one defenseman. <laughs> well, n- no, because there are d- defensemen on this team who are good at things. Uh, he's just the one that is defensively reliable, responsible. I guess, but still. Like, and you know what? Oh, sorry. You I'm just saying that I feel like a lot of times, like, Winnipeg's offense is just hard to watch. I think they struggle yes. to get zone time. They struggle to keep zone time. And yeah. a lot of times it's, weird. okay, we're just going to throw something from the right point, and let's hope something good happens. Or we're going to dump it along the boards and hopefully win something and maybe create something there. Right. And well, this goal came about two minutes in about two minutes in and it's up to that point. You know, I know it's only two minutes, but for those first two minutes, the game was all jets and basically the opposite of what you were saying. It was all jets. Um, and then the puck goes in and it's like, okay, maybe Tampa hasn't figured things out yet. And then I think Tampa started to come to life a little bit there in the second period. Um, after Hedman ties it up late in the first, they go into the locker room with the game tied and they come back and they look alive for a little bit. And then for, you know, just a few minutes, Tampa's energy sort of drops. And I think this is really where, you know, you mentioned um, earlier on how, the Jets really shouldn't have deserved to win this game. They did get the goals, even though they their play driving was. Am I remember misremembering this? Am I correct here? Uh, well, I don't know if I mentioned it while we were recording, but I think I think I mentioned it before when we were just kind of talking about what we wanted to talk about in this episode. <laughs> oh, okay, um, right. But yeah, uh, I mean, Tampa had over six, just over sixty percent of the shot attempts at five on five. And they had uh, also just over 60% of the expected goals for. And in the third period alone, the Lightning generated 10 scoring chances while the Jets had just one. So... Well, it feels like the the Lightning spent half of that third period with the extra attacker, but um, that might just be half of the third period real time versus half the third period game time. Uh, but what I was going to say is, you know, the, the metrics probably lean closer to the lightning. Sure. But there's a few minutes, I think in that second period where the lightning almost gave this game away where they kind of fell asleep. Uh, Jack Roslovic scores. I thought a, a very nice goal. Um, a, a lot to do with Andrew cops play behind the net. And just a very quick little flick of the wrist from Jack Roslovic as that puck comes from his cop kind of looked, act like he was going to go around the net and then quickly cut back to the other side 
play it right in front of the in, in front of the crease for Jack Roslick to before you could even before you even knew what was happening. Jack Roslick put that in the back of the net. Um, very nice goal. Yeah, uh, that was that was the kind of goal that the nerds love because um, one one of the great like points of emphasis is use the area behind the net more. Yes. Right, because goalies are so big nowadays that, you know, as long as they get a decent angle on the shot, like, it's going to be safe most of the time. But when you're behind the net, you're forcing them to turn their head. You're forcing them to, to move, your, move their body and put them in positions where they're not necessarily in a great spot to save incoming shots from in front of the net. So you get the puck down low. <laughs> it involves uh, a guy the stats nerd love and Andrew Kopp. <laughs> Yes. And it's a goal right in front of the goal. Yes. And it was the rare high danger scoring chance from the Jets. Yes. More uh, of that, please. Nerds love so you're saying that nerds love this goal. Hello, it me. A nerd. Um uh, it us. It we. Um But like I was saying, you know, this goal and then they score this goal and then um John Cooper calls that horrific challenge, gives the Jets another, gives the Jets a power play, and suddenly this game is 3-1. Now, I thought this little two-minute span, or even leading up before this, it seemed like the, the lightning had switched off for a few minutes and really allowed the Jets to sort of, between this and, you know, the period, the first period, where the lightning didn't really have much going, at least from what I could see, didn't have much going, it seemed like early on the Lightning had really given this game away and then really started to come back into it later in the third period. It didn't quite come up their way. But it might just be a matter of the Jets scored when they had the advantage in play and the Lightning had to claw their way out of that gap and couldn't quite do it. Yeah, and here's something that I, interesting that I didn't want to share with you is, is that I didn't, and I didn't discover until just messing around with it right now is that – you know me, I like to talk about things at five on five because I feel like that's where, I mean, that is where most of the game is playing to me. I would rather be way better at five on five and then just kind of be okay at best at special teams, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at all situations, though, uh, the expected goals were 50-50. The Jets still got owned in the possession battle, but they did create some more dangerous chances-ish away from five on five, which I thought was interesting. Huh. So the chances that the Jets were, are you saying the chances the Jets created were more dangerous than the chances the Lightning created? I'm saying that they were the same. They were the same. Hmm. Like, I'm looking at natural statric, and at all situations, it's 49.99% to 50.01%. Hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the other, I guess that leads me into the other thing I noticed about this game was the Lightning have so much talent on the roster that, that there are times when, even when it seems like the, the team has switched off, they can create chances out of nowhere. They can just, suddenly they're in a dangerous position and they've almost scored a goal. Um, Connor Hellebuck had to come up and make a few saves like that in those kinds of moments. It just seems like, I don't know if that was the Lightning be like if that was like just Steven Stamkos and uh, Kucherov doing their thing, or if it was just the Jets' defense is that bad, 
or what? Um, yeah, it does need to be mentioned that Connor Hellebuck made one heck of a save late in the game. I forget who oh. it was off. Was it was it Stamkos maybe? I don't. I don't think it was Stamkos. I feel like I would remember that, but yeah, I know exactly. He came out, flashed the leather. There was a shot from the slot. I think it was. And he, he had to basically kind of came out and played him a little bit and had to flash the leather real quick. And I uh, made, made a very impressive save. Go find it because we're doing a terrible job. Of, I'm doing a terrible job of describing it. Um, I'm sure it'll be all over like NHL.com's like plays of the day or whatever. Yep. Something might, like be, able, might be able to find it on the, on the Jets Twitter account too. That's probably more likely. And, and, you know, that wasn't the only save that Connor Hellebuck had to make today that was impressive. He made a few other impressive saves and really kept kept the Jets' lead intact for a while there. I mean, that's, but that's just been the story of the season, though. Mm-hmm. Well, Is Connor Hellebuck keeping them in games? Yes, but also this time it wasn't Connor Hellebuck keeping them in the game. It was Connor Hellebuck um, – maintaining the lead uh, yeah but still like it's it, i still feel like they they lean on connor hellbuck too much mm-hmm. or in well i want to say they depended on brassois against florida but they did get a good performance out of him right um yeah and it's good to have goalies Two goalies that can can do it. Um, and Todd so, Hellbuck is still your goal save to have average leader right now. Is he really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not looking at it as a rate. I'm just looking at it in total, and he's just had a lot of ice time in a lot of games. But he still has more goal save to have average than um, a lot of the other people at 16 games, So, or than everyone else at 16 games. Are you telling me that Connor Hellebuck is a better goalie than Sergei Bobrovsky? Yes. This year, this year, much better. What a weird timeline we live in. I know. I know. I mean, Bobrovsky's second to last in goal save above average. But, I mean, really, he's in last because he's ahead of Martin Jones. So <laughs> Martin Jones doesn't count? No, he doesn't count. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're ahead of Ottawa. That doesn't It's, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like – uh, if you're behind Martin Jones, how are you still in the league? Like, mm-hmm. why aren't you playing in the AHL right now? I think I saw one of those, a similar chart, but for the entire team that said it was, I think it was the Rangers and the Senators would be better off with league average replacement players on their team. There was a stat out there that, uh, like, you know, at the beginning of the season, um, like, when everyone puts their roster cuts on waivers? Yes. There was a thing out there that uh, if the Oilers had claimed those guys, they would have a better lineup than they do now. Hmm. <laughs> That's, um... Like, if they claimed those guys to replace their current bottom six, like, it would be even better. Well... Yeah, but I and again, but they're winning games, Brendan. They're watch the game, nerd. Well, yeah, that's because they're using McDavid the, and, and Dreisaitl like their defensemen. You know, with the amount of ice time that they have. 
Was it the NHL and NBC that um, put out a, a list of like four players who they were like, who who is the MVP so far? And like one of them was McDavid, the other one was Dreisaitl. And I'm yeah, like, it's like who, which one is the product of the other? Well, Mc, McDavid is clearly the the guy there. But but Dreisaitl is a better player because points, right? I mean, I guess Dreisaitl is good, but. He's not, like, top four MVP good. All right. Anyway, let's get back to our discussion of another team in Western Canada. Um, yeah, so let, let's, uh, let, let's move forward into let's, – let's briefly talk about the upcoming Predators game on oh, Tuesday. I just, I just wanted to mention that um, I was a big fan of those second-period goals. No. Jack Roslovic and Nikolai, Nikolai Ellers. Did – um, I don't think – oh, I was going to say uh, – I guess Ellers is the only repeat goal scorer between the two games. So, you know. Shifley scored two goals in one game. Well, I meant between the two games. Like, um, yeah. I meant meant between the two games. Like, uh, like players that scored in one game and the other. Oh. Sure. And Shifley just had the one goal against Florida. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he had two assists. Yeah. That's why you had me confused for a second there. I was confused. That so, yeah, sense. lots of different guys getting on the score sheet for, for Winnipeg this weekend. But right now, uh, the Jets sit in second place in the Central Division. How long that's going to stand, that's we will find out because the central division is just kind of a mess right now as it always is. Apparently. Apparently it just lives in this. Well, the, the, the central and the Metro. Well, I guess we do have some leaders in the Metro. That's fair enough, but we're, we're going to find out real soon just where they stand um, because their next game is up against Nashville. So that's going to be an interesting one. Side note real quick while we were talking about the standings. It humors me that uh, that the Jets and the Blues are two of the three worst teams by expected goals, and they're one and two in their own division. Really? <laughs> yeah, because hockey doesn't make sense and hates you. Yeah. So, but uh, getting to the Predators game on Tuesday, the Predators sit nine, six, and three, 21 points. Uh, fifth in the Central Division. TC, what do you what do you have to say about Nashville? Um, well, I mean, nothing that we don't already know about Nashville. One of the best teams in the league, right? One of the best defensive cores in the league. Uh, Yossi Ellis, Ekholm, I'll even throw Fabro in there. Um, solid down the middle, Johansson, Duchesne, Benino. Right, hard to beat that trio down the middle, and then Philip Forsberg is one of the most talented players in the NHL. Um, what what else? What is there to not like about this team? Well, I mean, I thought one of the more interesting things about this team was they sacrificed a little bit of defensive depth by moving PK Subban, but in order yeah. to pick up Matt Duchesne yeah. to actually have another center in their lineup. And obviously right now the results have been kind of mixed, 
because Nashville just hasn't been like that great. Like they haven't been as good as you would think that their lineup would have them out to be. Yeah. Um, and usually when that happens, that calls into question coaching, but I don't, I don't feel like doubting Peter Laviolette today. I still miss him. I think they're, I think their play on the ice might have them a little bit better than where they currently sit in the standings. But again, games aren't played on, on uh, spreadsheets. So that is weird hearing you say that. You of all people just said the game isn't played on spreadsheets. I mean, I say that all the time. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just wanted to remind you that unfortunately, um, I don't know if that's an unfortunately, but you know, the advanced metrics and the on ice results don't always match up. Okay, who do you think is the grit for 60 champion on this team? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to pick first because yours are always bad. Um, I haven't really given this one that much thought, but maybe figure it out now. Maybe Matt Irwin or Dan Hamhues. That's who I would go with. I mean, I mean, you just picked out a defenseman who's not part of that core. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Dan Hamuse. How about that? Dan Hamuse. He's he's 36, so he's got the veteran presence. Yeah. He's a third pairing defenseman, so you know he's really there to be the jam guy. He's only six one two oh five though. Hmm. I'm going back and forth. Who are you going back and forth on? I, I'm I need to do some research on sizes. Uh, eh. I'm sorry if this is boring. I think I'm trying to decide between. Oh, why does it have Jersey? Why did that come up? I'm going to go with Craig Smith. I think. Oh, Craig Smith's a good one. Craig Smith. I was, I couldn't decide if Rocco Grimaldi was that gritty, and then I looked up his height, and he was five six or something. So I'm going to go with Craig Smith. Yeah, uh, Grim- yeah. Rocco Grimaldi is super short. Yeah, I didn't know that he was. I mean, I don't know that much about him. Usually, when we get to these these gritty players, it's like, oh, I recognize that name. Yeah. And I know he's not. You know, I know which guys are like the veteran guys. Like Craig Smith is 30 years old. Um, I it's hard to find players on this team that are are valued because they're veterans and because they bring that grit, um, gritty presence. And I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Craig Smith. Okay, I think that's an easy answer. Uh, just to close things out here. Uh, predictions. Wait, who did we pick? Pick a winner though. Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you on this one. How about that? Woo! There you go. Uh, all right. Predictions? Uh, 4-3 Nashville. 4-3? Um, hmm. I, uh, you know what? I, I'll take Winnipeg. 4-2. 
four two Nash uh, four two Winnipeg. Interesting. So we're gonna got some a uh, little bit of conflict there. All right. But that being said, uh, that's gonna do it for us for this episode. Um, feel free to uh, check us out on. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at grid for 60 pod TC. Where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at TC underscore nine Oh four and on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at be 77. If you like Florida Gators volleyball tweets, cause I will be there uh, tomorrow <laughs> when they play Kentucky. Uh, so, all right. Uh, and also check out the hockey podcast networks, SoundCloud and Spotify pages because they're always up there first. But with that being said, uh, thanks everyone for listening to us again and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.